Welcome, peoples, to the Danger Room, X Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam, and my name is Jeremy. Well, that reminds me, I should go grab a Red Bull. I'm not drinking Red Bull. I'm drinking Guinness Nitro IPA. Is that good? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds delicious. It was in my fridge. I'm going to try and pour it like a Guinness, too, which is where you flip the can entirely upside down and mm-hmm. pour it into your glass, and then you oh, let all... Oh, yeah, and then you let those bubbles, like, sizzle to the top. That's my favorite. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, cool. it's It's always fun when somebody doesn't know, and they're like, what are you doing? You don't pour a beer like that. It's a Guinness, my friend. So this is basically mm-hmm. uh, IPA Guinness, although, I mean, it's not dark, and it's not a stout. So it does all the things that Guinness does, but it doesn't taste like a Guinness at all. Hmm. And I guess it's because everybody has to have an IPA these days that uh, Guinness also has one. I don't like IPAs. I uh, have grown weary of them. Uh, this which just happened to be in my fridge. And now when I'm at the bars or if I'm at the liquor store, I'm typically looking for Belgians uh, or um, Scotch Ales. You're not a sour beer fan yet? Yuck. <laughs> no. I don't like it either, but it's it's the trend right now. Yuck. That's a trend I will not be participating in. Have you tried them? Yeah, they're disgusting. Oh, okay. <laughs> just like a, just like Saisons and all those other weird yuck. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> they they offend my senses, Adam. Okay. But hey, we're not here to talk about beer, are we? I think we're here to talk about some comic books. It's another comics-packed extravaganza. This one starts out with uh, Power Pack number 19. Power Pack? What? Well, Adam, let me explain. On the cover of this Power Pack, there's some weirdos who I don't recognize, and Kitty Pride and Wolverine. Whoa. In fact, About that. the Kitty Pride and Wolverine font is like the font from Kitty Pride and Wolverine the miniseries. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Kitty Pride doesn't have a trademark next to her name. Do you think Kitty Pride and Wolverine is the trademark? I have no idea, but you're right, yeah. And yes, and you've got your Power Pack kids, uh, Franklin's also on the cover, and Beta Ray Bill, but who cares about them? <laughs> Beta Ray Bill fans? Yeah, they don't listen to our podcast, and they don't exist. All right, so we open up the comic book. <laughs> There's nobody out there who's like, Beta Ray Bill is my favorite superhero. You're on fire. <laughs> Very opinionated. You know what else? Let me tell you what else sucks, Adam. Um, I think there are actually a lot of Beta Ray Bill fans. What's that? Um, what's that honey beer? The beer that's made out of honey? I don't know. Oh, those are bad, too. Beer aficionado. (laughs) I can't remember what they're called, but they're gross. And frambos, also gross. Frambos. I don't know. Sounds sounds gross, so I just lumped it into the gross category. I think those are actually sweet. Yeah. And tasty. No. I mean, they're not... Like, if you're out for a night of beer drinking, you're probably not going to do a frambois. (laughs) But, uh... Like a frambos flight? (laughs) I don't think such a thing exists. Those things are expensive. <laughs> so uh, this issue is called Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? And the first page has a full-on splash of little Katie Power seemingly being attacked by one of the Morlocks. It's Erg. It is Erg. And he appears to be attacking Katie Power with his electric eye. Look into my electric eye and feel its power. No, says little Katie Power, but then she gets this crazy smile on her face and she's like, you mean field its power, I see, because she's she's got puns. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Puns are where it's at. So Katie Power has caught Erg's electric eye power and has repelled it back to him. And uh, she's told him to catch it, which he has done, and everybody's really happy. They're not enemies like they used to be. Not bad, Energizer. You're gaining control of your energy-absorbing power. But aren't you worried that someone might see us? Yep, they're in an alleyway. Turns out it's Thanksgiving time, and the reason that they've met up like this is so that Katie can give Erg an invitation to the Powers residence for a Thanksgiving dinner. However, looks Except like... Except that that's not is what's happening. What is happening is that Erg is giving Katie a note from Anna Lee saying that Anna Lee is coming to her Thanksgiving party. Well, whatever. Close enough. <laughs> Unfortunately, Erg and Ape and some of the other Morlocks won't be able to make it, but uh, Anna Lee will. They have reservations uptown. Yeah, yeah. It's not often that the Morlocks get out, but... Uh, they do. Katie confirms that Shadow Cat and Wolverine are going to make it. 
Franklin and Beta Ray Bill too, but they can't find Cloak and Dagger. Maybe that's later. But anyways, yeah, that's who's going to come to dinner maybe tonight for Thanksgiving. It's true. And Leech, don't forget about Leech. Is Leech even mentioned here? Yes. Oh, yeah, you're right. From Annalise saying, she and Leech will be glad to come to your Thanksgiving party. Katie meets back up with the other power sister, the... What's her face? Uh, Julie. Julie Power. Yeah. And uh, apparently this whole thing is a surprise. Like, the other Power kids don't know about this whole Thanksgiving dinner. And by the way, something happened in an earlier issue where the Power's mom was wounded by Curse, which is why Beta Ray Bill is in here, because I guess, was it Thor and Curse? Yeah, that was part of, that was the Thor issue that was part of the Secret Wars thing. Yeah, and so as a, as a result of that battle that we kind of, uh, previewed the katie or the powers mom whose name i don't know uh was hurt and she's in the hospital mama powers mama powers we can cost her call her so the kids have done some shopping they're heading back to their apartment uh it's very important that katie does not miss the thanksgiving day parade because the thanksgiving day parade with all those big balloons that was her mom's favorite and uh uh no matter how big a problem was a big balloon made it better right yep that's very important. It is. It is. And also, uh, Katie is uh, really excited to see the Mighty Mouse balloon. It was her mom's favorite. Yeah. Mighty Mouse. So f- the Fantastic Four are out. I guess the Avengers are out, and that leaves just Beta Ray Bill, who's apparently babysitting Franklin. And they're going to go watch the balloons. I'm not sure why the Fantastic Four are not spending Thanksgiving with their family. I checked over in their issues, and it seems like they're home, but whatever. Yeah. I don't know. For the sake of the plot of this story, the Fantastic Four are busy. Yeah, this this story takes place a little bit in the future. So who knows where the Fantastic Four are in the future. Right. Uh, they have a little conversation about how Franklin never really had any friends before he met the Power Kids. And he likes them and they like him. He especially likes Katie. And Beta Ray Bill says, even though you and Katie argue all the time. And he says, yeah, I never got to argue before. So, well, you know. Everything's uh, everything's coming up Franklin here. He's very happy because he gets to see the parade, and then later on he gets to go to Thanksgiving dinner. It's going to be wonderful. Beta Ray Bill's never been to a Thanksgiving dinner. He's very excited. He, I guess he's an android or a cyborg or something. I don't know. I think he's an alien. I don't know what he is. He says something about being a cyborg in here somewhere. Yeah, but I fear that with my cyborg body uh, will be an unwelcome reminder of the destruction that made us flee our galaxy. So he's an alien cyborg. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Okay. So everybody's pretty happy uh, except for Alex Powers, who's normally the level-headed, calm, cool leader of the power pack. He's a grouchy sourpuss. He blames himself for the uh, hospitalization of his mother. Yes. Which, you know, it's one of those comic things. Yeah. Probably really wasn't his fault. He saved somebody somehow, which accidentally pushed Curse into his mom or something or other. But uh, he's he's not happy about this. And uh, his brother, uh, whose name I can't remember. Jack. Jack. Who's normally kind of like the smart mouth one. He's actually kind of the level-headed one where he's like, hey, man, calm down. Alex is determined to bring everybody down. Yes, he is. Uh, Papa Power, he's like, all right, kids, uh, sorry, I gotta leave you alone for Thanksgiving, but I gotta go visit your mom in the hospital. Apparently she's got an infection because of the battle, and the infection uh, isn't getting better, but it's not getting worse. Yes, he tells this to Alex, but he doesn't want Alex to tell the others. Alex says something about feeling like he's not even good enough to watch a hamster. He uh, he has a pity party. He goes into the study, grabs a picture of his mom and him, and blames himself for everything. And then he's like, oh, man, and it's Thanksgiving. Ha! What do we have to be thankful for? Nothing. Darn! (laughs) Ah, yes. Meanwhile, Cloak and Dagger are doing Cloak and Daggery stuff. They encounter a guy who is taking advantage of, like, a homeless bum. Yeah, they let a street thief go because it's Thanksgiving. Yeah, uh, Dagger was a little surprised by this behavior. But Cloak says, I, uh, you know, I was I was scared and this guy stuttered the way that I used to stutter and I kind of felt sorry for him. And, you know, he reminds me of myself, even though I wasn't a street thief. Yeah, that's Thanksgiving. So, you know, I got something to show you. So he teleports Dagger to the top of a of a bill of a house, a building or something, and they have a wonderful view of the Thanksgiving Day Parade. All right. Yay. 
uh, Katie and Julie meet their father at the lobby of their uh, apartment. Um, again, going to the hospital. It's going to be sad. Mom's not doing good. So Katie asks Dad if Mom's going to be okay, and he can't even answer her. He just looks on sadly, and Julie says, Of course she will. What a question. And they quickly move into the elevator. Yeah, it's Papa, Papa Power destined to bring everybody down. Well, meanwhile, uh, Annalie, she's uh, she's in the Morlock Tunnel. She's cooking up some sweet potato casserole to bring to Katie's pa- uh, party. Uh, and she is just not having any of Leech's shenanigans. She's very excited to be there, and she's very annoyed that Leech also is was invited. She feels like Leech is getting in her way, her her straight line to the power kids. Right. Uh, she is the Powers Kids special grandma, and here's Leech just putting his nose where it doesn't belong, or lack thereof, because he doesn't really seem to have much of a nose. And she uh, she sees him playing with his cat, and she grabs him, and she slams him into a locker. Now, remember, this kitty was given to Leech by the Power Kids. I think she even mentions that. Yeah, a few... Uh, so the Power Kids gave you a cat. Big deal, you ugly little monster. Yeah, she's You're nothing to them. She yeah, she's downright mean. She is wicked. Yeah, and so she she slams Leech into a box. She locks the box up, and she's like, "Today, I'm going to use my empathy power to project happiness, no anger or despair, and I don't need you blocking my powers." And meanwhile, the poor kitty cat is just scratching at the at the box. Just trying to let Leech out. Yeah, man, that's a buds. It's a downer, man. Total downer, Leech. Didn't do anything. Stuck in a box. Yeah. Well. Back at the powerhouse, Katie gets a secret phone call from Kitty Pride because this whole Thanksgiving thing that we know about, none of the other powers kids know about. In fact, they're kind of curious. Why is there so much food? Dad's not even going to be here. This is going to be the worst Thanksgiving ever. Alex is like, you've been answering that call- phone all week. What? What's your problem? What gives? They uh, made some popcorn balls for the parade because they're all going out for the parade. But Alex doesn't want to have any of it. Mom's got an infection, he reveals. A bad one. Dad's really worried. Don't any of you care? She's so hurt she might die. Meanwhile, downtown, uh, Kitty hangs up the payphone as she had just called Katie and was like, all right, we're going to watch the parade and we're going to head up to the apartment. It's going to be fun. Oh, yeah. Some Thanksgiving, huh, Wolverine? Everything's been going so wrong with the X-Men lately. Professor's gone, McNeeter's taken over leadership, and, up oh, spoilers, Scott's betrayed Madeline. We'll talk about that next issue. Yeah. A couple episodes from now, maybe, or <laughs> something like that. Anyways, yeah. Um, you could have spent Thanksgiving with your mom or dad. We get a little uh, backstory on the whole Kitty Pride and Wolverine miniseries about how her dad's a bad guy. She's forgiven him, but she can't look at him without thinking about everything she went through in Japan. And she's also mad at, at her mom for breaking up with her dad. And it's just a mess. She should love them. They're her parents. But sometimes she just hates them both. I'm a swell person to spend Thanksgiving with, huh? Wouldn't want to spend it with anyone else, Pumpkin. Except for maybe Mariko. <laughs> I loved her. <laughs> and uh, she points out, I was like, look, we should have come earlier. Uh, I've been watching the parade on TV since I was little. I've been dying to see it in person. And now because they're stuck behind a huge crowd, they can't see anything. Mm-hmm. Wolverine says, why don't we just use your stairs power and phase up to the roof? Nobody's looking. Well, the- except, except there's a guy right behind them. <laughs> there is a guy staring at them about to use her power. Wolverine, you're a genius. She uh, phases them both. Uh, it's pretty cute here. Wolverine's holding the uh, Thanksgiving picnic basket as they climb the invisible stairs. She made biscuits or buns or something. Yeah, yeah. Leech, meanwhile, is still stuck in the box and he's banging on the door. Loud, please, Leech, go, cat friend. And the cat is scratching at the box and meowing and Ape comes along and he sees the cat scratching at the box and he thinks, oh, is there a mouse in there? I'll help you out. And he ape opens up the box and Leech runs out. Go, Leech, go. Leech, go. And he runs away and Ape's just like, whoa. Yeah. Ape's not very smart. (laughs) Then the kids are talking about how they used to have infections and it was no big deal. They put some peroxide on it. Alex's like, don't be stupid. This is a bigger infection. It's a 
parent infection. It's a big problem. And the phone rings and he's like, give me that. You've answered all the phone calls in the last few days, you little creep. Now it's my turn. And it's some person I don't know named Professor Gilbert saying that they can't come to the Thanksgiving party and the jig is up. Oh, I'll thank Katie for inviting you. All right. You bet I will. Katie, what's going on? How dare you selfishly invite a whole bunch of people over for Thanksgiving? I feel like everybody's really overreacting. Well, you know, Alex is just upset about everything. He's just being, a, he's turning everything in. He's, he, it's a pity party, like you said. He's, he's a jerk. Yeah, he's but then, a jerk. then Julie jumps in on her business and she's yeah, like. That was a little weird. I don't, you, I, don't I guess she's, she's feeling the pressure from Alex to feel, because she's the next oldest. So right. maybe she's like. I should probably be more upset about my mom and not trying to make a good time out of it like Alex. You got a whole page of Alex lecturing Katie and then Julie jumps in. So Katie's like, you can't stop me from seeing the parade. I have to and you can't stop me. And she just she bolts out the door. Actually, she sent out the a letter to Spider-Man at the Daily Bugle, but he never answered. I don't think he's going to make it to the party. <laughs> so she uh, she she leaves, uh, and so now the rest of the power kids are like, oh, man, everyone's going to be mad at me. Mom's going to die, and it's all my fault. Katie just ran away. So he jumps out the window. using. He's his, also going to run away. His fog. Well, he's got to go. He and Julie, I think he and Julie are going to go find Katie. No, Julie and Jack go to find Katie. Oh. Alex goes to pout. Oh, that's right. You're right. Yes, he goes off on his own. Leech gets out of the sewers and he chases after Anna Lee. He's just wearing a little gown and he's like freezing because it's winter. Cold, cold friends, Anna Lee. So yes, this is the same gown he has worn since the first uh, issue that we met him. Maybe even a little worse for the wear. He's not much for a costume changer. Not really. I think he's maybe had two total. Yeah, ever. I think so. <laughs> but he's, well, he's a Morlock. He's poor. He doesn't have any access to money. Uh, this alien dude named Coffee skip that. is in here who does some stuff that doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't know. He's a horse guy. <laughs> he's a horse dude. who He has an awesome spaceship, and he's just, like, kind of tooling around the, the galaxy. But, uh, yeah, he, he bears no uh, weight or effect on this epi- or this issue. But he's neat. Uh, he's a power. He must be in the power, a power pack regular. He's got a power pack, like the power pack costume. I don't know. Is he, like, the guy that gave the powers the... Uh, their powers, the power so. kids, their powers, whatever. It doesn't matter. Maybe. I mean, anything's possible. So sure. <laughs> Let's say he is. Okay. Uh, Alex, he's flying around and uh, he gets tripped up into some wind because it's really windy out, by the way. And, and uh, in order, like he gets, he gets swirled away and he almost crash lands. So he figures that he switches his gravity on so that he'll have to stop flying in order to land and he kind of does a little crash landing, and uh, he almost falls off the side of the roof, and luckily Cloak and Dagger are there to help him down. Now, this building is called the Dakota, I guess. And oh. I guess okay. Cloak and Dagger said, like, look, there's the Dakota. And uh, that's what Alex said, so you don't know what that is? Probably a famous New York landmark. Oh, okay. All right. Anyways. From the 80s. Yeah. So Alex. Might not still be there. Now it's a Trump Tower. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Alex talks about all of his problems and woes and how he got mad and ran away. Cloak and Dagger, they both ran away for different reasons. Who cares? <laughs> I mean, it seems like, look, if you're a Cloak and Dagger fan, it seems, seems like it's like a pretty good story. But she, uh, Well, Dagger says you, you can't blame yourself for things that go wrong. Um, and, you know, she, they're, giving, they're giving Alex the lesson that he needs. For the purposes of the X-Men, it doesn't matter. True. <laughs> so... Uh, meanwhile, Katie bumps into Franklin and Beta Ray Bill at the front of the parade, and, uh, they're watching Smokey the Bear go by. He's a float. Yeah, he will, yes. It is not the real <laughs> Smokey the Bear. It, 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 the parade is in full swing, so, um... They Kermit s- the Frog is the next one to go by. Well, Katie... Uh, the, Katie. the other power kids fly by, and Katie doesn't want yeah. anybody to see them. Yep. If wind- you say anything, Franklin, I'll slug you. Now, the wind is picking up, and I'm not sure if this is Jack's doing or if it's just a windy day. I think it's just a windy day. Yeah, I think so. And uh, so Annalie, I guess, is I don't know how she's made her way, but she's made her way into the middle of the uh, parade 
or at least well, she's leech. a Morlock. She doesn't know what a parade is. She's like, I'm just walking in the middle. What's going on? And so Leech runs out into the middle of the parade, which happens to be underneath Kermit the Frog. And he's like, oh, my God, no, a monster green leech monster. Annalie amps up her empathy abilities. And she's like, you're following me. You escaped. Stop him. Stop him. And so all of a sudden, all the puppeteers or the float a tears they get mad and they start grabbing him and they want to stop him and hurt him. And that causes Kermit the Frog to get loose and crash into Smokey the Bear. And some little kid kind of gets picked up by some of the neglected rope. And yanked up into the air and the power kids manage to save him pretty quickly. It's a big disaster, though. Like, Kermit the Frog's all over the place. Smokey the Bear's all over the place. And that's when Kitty and Wolverine are like, hey, look at those balloons. They're, they're crazy. Uh, and and I feel like we're under a little bit of a psychic attack. Yeah, everybody kind of recognizes the psychic attack. Uh, Julie also mentions it. It feels like one of Annalise's impact blasts, but it's getting weaker, thank goodness, presumably because Leech is getting closer to uh, Annalise. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wolverine says the same thing. It's fading. Come on, we gotta get down there. There's a kid being dragged. So they pop down quickly. The Powers kids manage to push the balloons down to the ground and they, uh, the, the X-Men, Wolverine and Kitty manage to cut the kid loose. Yeah, Kitty phases, uh, through the rope and I don't know what that does, but Wolverine is, uh, was, is able to slash the ropes. Hi, Mask Master. Good to have your help. Wolverine, what are you doing here? Come into your house. your house after the parade, or so I was told. Oh, I forgot. There's light speed. I got to talk to her quick. What are we going to do? Well, I guess we have to let him over. Katie did invite them over after all. Yeah, okay, come on over. We did make a lot of turkey. Uh, I'm getting hungry, says Wolverine. And that's when the Tasmanian devil attacks. What's, what the heck's going on? <laughs> uh, some snark world stuff, which seems like it might be interesting if you're a Power Pack fan, but doesn't have any bearing on the story. Lizards fight. Yeah, it's kind of neat. Kind of a neat page. Mighty Mouse gets loose, and uh, that's when Katie Power's like, Oh, Franklin, grab on to Mighty Mouse. I want to bring Mighty Mouse to my mom. Yes. Um, up till now, it was, you know, somewhat realistic. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's somewhat plausible, but now they... Katie uh, uses her Energizer power to sever all the lines, and they jump onto Mighty Mouse's cape. Mighty Mouse flies up. Um, and I guess, uh, Katie's got some plan to steer Mighty Mouse towards the hospital. And somehow they managed to do this without falling off. Yeah. Meanwhile, Beta Ray Bill has lost track of them because the crowd, uh, most of the crowd is, uh, getting an empath blast and now everybody wants to kill Leech. Last thing I remember, I was chasing that little green guy. What happened? Says a random guy. Cloak and Dagger and Alex arrive on the scene, and, uh... uh, Even Dagger says, I hate him! I have to stop him! I had to read that a couple of times, because I'm like, what? Dagger's not very nice. But then I realized that she was under the sway of Annalie's power. Yes. And Alex says, no, wait, Dagger. It's Leech. He's ugly, but he's our friend. You don't hate him. And he points out Annalie. She hates Leech, and she's making them hate him. And she's trying to make us hate him, too. And she's sitting there with her corn on the cob or whatever it is, and she's just like, Sweet potato casserole. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and so Cloak and Dagger teleport down there. Alex also heads down there. Alex tackles Annalie and says, You gotta stop. You gotta stop this. Apparently, the plan is to get Leech as close to Annalie as quickly as possible, which they managed to do by having Cloak wrap around everybody and beam them or uh, teleport them back up to the roof. Apparently, Leech's powers have no effect on Cloak. Maybe it's because he's not a mutant, or maybe it's something else, but whatever. Cool. And so now we get the Mighty Mouse page of Katie, I guess, somehow steering uh, Mighty Mouse to the hospital. They don't fall off. That's they, all I got to say. They don't. Um, and, Even and, though it, it flips it flips over. <laughs> and, and the thing is that I think they're trying to apply some logic. Like Katie is uh, like bundling up the arms and, and tugging on ropes to kind of change the direction. Like we're not even using superpowers to do this. We're trying to apply some... Uh, seven-year-old physics to, I don't know, a pretty much unwieldable balloon. I'm sure you could manage to steer a balloon, but probably not in the air on it. <laughs> exactly. 
So she does head it towards the, she's like, hey, I got it. She's heading towards the hospital. Um, and uh, that's when uh, Papa Power sees it and he's like, oh my God, that balloon's coming right for our window. It's going to. Franklin's like, it's going to crash. We got to turn it. It's moving too fast. And Katie says, it's not going to crash because I asked you about a dream earlier and you didn't say anything bad was going to happen. And Franklin's like, I don't dream everything. This is insane. And even if I did, you wouldn't listen anyway. Would so? Would not. You never listen. <laughs> and so they do realize that the thing is going to crash into the window, which is probably going to make things worse, likely hurting her father and mother. And they do manage to tilt the thing upwards and miss the window, but they both fall off, finally. <laughs> yes. And Beta Ray Bill comes in and saves them. Here he comes to save the day. Look, somebody had to do it. (laughs) As that happens, Beta Ray Bill grabs Mighty Mouse and flies it back down towards the street. Papa Power sees it, and uh, Katie's hoping that, well, maybe her mom saw the balloon, too. It's her favorite. Yep. Mighty Mouse has returned. Uh, Everything is better. The... Beta Ray Bill, Franklin, Wolverine, Kitty, the Power Kids are all heading to the apartment. It's time for Thanksgiving dinner, even though everybody feels kind of bad. Um, meanwhile, meanwhile, Cloak and Dagger and Leech and Anna Lee um, have a moment where Leech reveals that he cares a lot about Anna Lee. And Anna Lee's like, what? I wanted to pretend that I was normal and you were all my children without Leech there to spoil it, to remind me that it was all a dream. So I locked him in a closet, but he escaped. And she realizes that Leech cares about her as he cries her, or dries her tears with his gross little fingers. <laughs> And um, she she finally realizes, after all these issues, that she could be like a mother to Leech. It's about time, Annalee. Yeah. I thought you were a monster, but me, I've behaved like the monster. And that's when Alex Power, finally, that grouchy exterior crumbles and thinks to himself, that's what Thanksgiving means, I guess. Being thankful for what we've got. Not angry about what we don't. I guess I'm not the only kid who wants his mom. Let's go home, Cloak and Dagger. And so they do. Do Cloak and Dagger know where they live? I guess so. Yes, apparently everybody does. Inside the party, uh, Alex and Cloak and Dagger and the gang appear outside of the window, although it's hard to tell on this panel. It is. But they are outside of the apartment where inside Katie is telling everybody that they can't come to the party. It's Um, it's very cute how Franklin is sitting on Wolverine's lap. (laughs) Yes. I didn't I didn't tell anybody that I invited you and it wasn't right. I didn't think. I just did what I wanted and I almost crashed the thing into the thing and I just don't ever think and that's not fair and I know you'll all be mad at me, but you have to go home because I can't have a party. And that's when Alec busts in and says, wait, I've had a change of heart. Everybody Thanksgiving. Party on Wayne. Party on Garth. There's plenty of turkey. And so they... Look, I found Cloak and Dagger. (laughs) Yay. So they all have a wonderful time. And then Beta Ray Bill takes Franklin home. I don't know. Cloak and Dagger leave. Wolverine and Kitty leave. Um, I guess uh, Alex has been pining over some girl, so he's especially affected when Dagger gives him a kiss on the cheek. Oh, my. Yes. And uh, they also give They they give Leech some leftover clothes that, as far as I know, he will wear for the rest of his life. Yeah, it's, it's blue jeans, some tennis shoes. Uh, a sweatshirt, a gray sh- or a brown sweatshirt, and a red cap. And the shirt, there's an undershirt as well. It's like a pink undershirt. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, the, this will be his duds from here on out. Yeah, I get, I feel a little weird about this next page though because like uh, Annalie has been like, oh, you're a horrible m- mutant monster, and I feel like this is just a way of her trying to normalize Leech because as they leave, she's like, it's gonna be cold out there, so she basically like completely hides his face underneath the uh, hood. So she's either being like, a, even though he's already got a hat on. Well, he, he does say, I'm really warm. And she says, well, that's just inside, Leech. It's going to be cold outside, so I'm going to pull your, your hood up for you. I don't I don't think she's hiding him. I that think, wasn't the impression that I got. I think she's like, I got a boy, but I'm still kind of ashamed of him, so I'm going to cover everything up on him. Well, I don't think so, no, but right. I don't know. Do we ever see Annalie again? Yes, we do. Oh. 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 Okay. 
Anyways, so they walk out, uh, Emily and Leech, and they pass by Papa Power, who's just like, everything's going to be fine. Who are these homeless people? Yeah. What are these homeless people doing in my apartment? Come on, Leech, let's go home. He comes in and kind of gives the news that, like, well, nothing's worse, nothing's better. Still got a lot of uh, a lot of things. Mom's not better. Did Mommy see the Mighty Mouse uh, balloon, asks Katie, and Dad says, no, she's unconscious. Tell me. <laughs> Anybody who would have tried to steer that balloon towards the hospital would be a crazy lunatic. But he says it would have done her a world of good if she had seen it. It is her favorite, you know. So he has some leftover Thanksgiving, and he's also like, wow, these homemade rolls, a la Kitty, and sweet potato casserole, a la Annalie, are delicious. You guys keep cooking like this, you'll have to open up a restaurant. Even though the sweet potato casserole kind of tastes like a sewer, it's delicious. <laughs> yep. You sure know how to serve up a fine Thanksgiving dinner, kids. The end. We did miss over the fact, that you, and you did mention this, that part of the reason that if, if Kate, Katie thought if her mother saw the balloon, that it would make her infection a small problem. Right. Because... By shrinking it. This is mentioned many times that a no problem is any match for a big balloon or something like that. Yeah, big balloons make problems seem smaller, therefore they will make the infection get smaller. Next up, we have Alpha Flight number 31, where Alpha Flight takes on Deadly Earnest again, a not very memorable villain. Uh, Heather Hudson realizes that she's more of a liability to the team because she doesn't have any powers. Uh, the last issue of Captain Britain is number 14, and it's kind of a uh, a closing issue, so we get a lot of closing storylines, um, including the one with Betsy, where we learn that uh, Betsy is permanently blind, but she's kind of cool with it because... Her psychic power is more than compensated for her lack of sight. It's like being able to smell color, to taste form, and hear difference distance. It makes me feel sorry for people that are restricted to vision. And uh, she's talking about getting married to this uh, Gabriel dude. This is an ideal place for a holiday or a honeymoon, she says about Switzerland, which I guess she's about to go on a vacation with her boyfriend with. All right. The robot that was the mansion is um, sending the maid off on a worldwide tour. He's going to join her as a hologram, but also protect the mansion as a giant robot. And Captain Britain and Megan become criminals in order to try to capture a um, criminal. I mean, it's like a ball of razor blades. <laughs> okay. It's like a ball of like a like octopus. It's like a it's like a little octopus with more than eight legs. It's got like billion billions of legs. It flies around the room. It's all got razor blades and stuff, and it's been killing a whole bunch of uh, people. And the cop from the very first issue of Captain Britain, who realized who Captain Britain was, um, being Brian Braddock, tracks him down and says he needs his help. And they go undercover as criminals and some amusing stuff. And then they fight this ball of razor blades. And that's pretty much it. Um, oh, also, uh, the other, the female Captain Britain from the Jasper James storyline goes to another world because it turns out that she was causing, her presence in the world that we were in was causing the Jasper James world to still exist in people's minds. But now that she's gone to a different world, it'll disappear forever. Huh. Oh yeah, and there are all these like mutant kids um, at the mansion that the the robot is protecting, but there won't be any more mutant kids because... Now that the Captain UK girl is off this world, they're, they they were like Jasper children somehow. So that's the last issue of Captain Britain? Yep. Um, there, there's a notice on page 35 that says that even though this is the last issue, there's been talk that on the American side of the pond, um, they're going to maybe bring Captain Britain into some of their titles and... Chris Claremont has even been talking about including him in the next X-Men annual. What? Hmm. So, that stuff does, out of that. That doesn't happen. <laughs> well, you know, something happens. That's true. Uh, and then we have Defenders number 152, which is also in last issue. It's a pretty big things issue, are, pretty important issue, too. Things are wrapping up. And it is a Secret Wars tie-in because, yeah, well, Secret Wars. Refresh my memory, uh... I read this a long time ago, and it kind of filled in the dots of uh, 
Defenders to X Factor. And all I really remember of this issue is that, like, Angel, Iceman, and Beast got separated from the Defenders, and they just walk around and talk a lot? Yes. Um, okay. Mood Dragon shows up and is threatening to kill. She's been possessed by a dragon, and she is threatening to kill all of the Defenders, and they have a couple of allies, um, including some guy who's like a billion years old and has been constantly fighting this dragon. His name is Interloper, and there's also this manslaughter guy who I talked about last episode, and he needs to be there because he's crazy and he like gets into moon dragon's head um by just being crazy he's kind of a early prototype deadpool Mm. um she can't stand that he gets inside of her head and it it helps to separate her from the moon dragon person um and then at some point what happens is that beast and angel and uh iceman get pulled aside and oh uh, the beyonder shows up i forgot about that with Ty, so, so he's got to. Yeah, so they managed to separate Moon Dragon from this dragon person, and then the Beyonder shows it up and screws it all up by giving her a, a ring, which is actually the dragon. Okay. So okay. she promises that she is going to worship the Beyonder. Is, I don't know. It's, it's weird. It doesn't make any sense. Why is the Beyonder looking for worshipers? But whatever. She's the Beyonder's disciple now, and the first thing she's going to do as the Beyonder's disciple is go back and kill the Defenders. And that is the Beyonder's entire uh, purpose for being there, I guess. Hmm. it's it, it doesn't make any sense with the current Beyonder stuff. There's a Fantastic Four panel for no apparent reason whatsoever. It's like the, there's a panel of the Fantastic Four calling the Defenders, and they're just like, they're, they don't even have a, me, a, a message machine. Yeah. What's going on there? What kind of low-rent superhero team is this? That's weird. So, yes, uh, as I was saying, Beast and Angel and Iceman get pulled aside um, and told that if they don't participate in the oncoming battle, then they will... Uh, then the, the the people that are important to them will not die. So for Angel, it's Candy Southern. Candy Southern's hanging upside down uh, with a knife at her throat. So Angel feels like he can't be involved in the battle. And Beast is really worried about the mechanic from a couple of issues ago that got attacked by plants. Aha, I knew it. <laughs> Sorry. And then Iceman is worried about the, the twins that Cloud was really, uh, the reason that, Cloud kept turning into a boy and a girl was because there were she had taken the form of a boy and a girl and Moon Dragon threatens to kill them and Iceman for some reason wants I don't know it's it's except for Candy Southern it feels like a bit of a stretch yeah it but sounds like it at any rate they don't get involved because these people are important enough that they don't want to get involved and the rest of the team uh, battles the giant dragon and Moon Dragon. And ultimately, they give up their life force in order to stop it. And Beast and Iceman and Archangel want to, or not Archangel yet, Angel want to help. But then they say, no, you guys are doing your thing. We're doing our thing. It's all going to be okay. And everybody sacrifices their life to stop Moondragon, which they do. Beast and Angel and Iceman run back to their prospective innocent people and they're able to save them. And when they come back, all the defenders have turned into dust, um, statues of themselves as dust. It's very fragile. Angel touches the, sh- the shoulder of Moon Dragon, and it crumbles into dust. And he's like, "Oh, we better not touch these people. We're gonna we're gonna kill all of them." They did it. They sacrificed our lives, and all because of us. Because we and Candy comes through and says, "Because you saved our lives." Uh, it's, uh, it's that's it. Sassafras, the uh, Beast dog, shows up. Beast has a dog. Yeah, it's Sassafras. <laughs> He's had it for the last maybe 15 issues. That dog won't make an appearance in X-Factor. Yeah, I know. It's it's lucky that Vera even makes an like, like manages to make an appearance in X-Factor. Yeah. Um, Beast says, come on, Sass, we're going home to rest and remember some heroes and try to be worthy of what they've given us today. So no words about whether or not they're going to go on as being a hero or no guilt really about letting them all die because they kind of needed to. Yeah, I, I just recall that that was a very interesting end to that series. 
everybody dies except for the people that are going on to a part of X Factor. Well, isn't Doc wasn't Doctor Strange and the Hulk a defender? Well, this this was the new defenders oh. for like the past fifteen to twenty issues. So it's been Beast and Angel. Iceman, Valkyrie, Gargoyle, and then a rotating cast of sometimes other people. Okay. Andromeda shows up in this one. I don't remember who else there is. Well, there you go. Oh, Moondragon was a team member for a while before she turned all evil. So there was also, uh, I mean, as long as we're on the topic of Secret Wars 2, there was also Secret Wars 2 number 8. Yeah, that that brings us right to it, and this is this is the this is the cover that I always remember to associated with Secret Wars too. I don't know if it's because I just saw it in comics all the time, but this is for me. This is the Secret Wars two cover. It's a memorable cover. It's it's a gigantic Beyonder, crushing a bunch of buildings, kind of coming over the top, knocking over like a like a water tower, and then uh, kind of grabbing onto the Hulk. For the most part, you have X Men and New Mutants attacking. Um, Spider Man's there too, though. Heck yeah. It's a it's a memorable cover. I don't want to say it's a good cover, but uh, it's it's a cover that if it was on a t-shirt, I would I would wear the t-shirt because you're I think you're right. This definitely embodies Secret Wars too. Storm's got a stick. And yes, yeah, she does. Um, this is another, in my opinion, kind of left turn in Secret Wars. And there's been a couple of left turns. Um, and as we've talked about, like there's been a couple of issues that are like, okay, this is kind of insightful and, and kind of poignant and. and like an overall just a good issue uh, and i guess i'm really only speaking about the uh, boom boom issue and the issue where the beyonder kills death all the other ones in my opinion have been somewhat not memorable this one is memorable for me but not for the right reasons it's just because the beyonder takes a sharp left turn uh for like no reason it seems well i i feel like there's a bit of a disconnect with what's been happening in all the other titles so when we last the left issue or when we last left the previous issue of secret wars the beyonder was determined to go help people and in all of the issues where he has gone to help people, he, except for Spider-Man, who he told was a good guy, and Spider-Man was like, oh, yeah, you know what I am? Um, he has pretty much failed. Mm-hmm. And so we we show up at the beginning of this where after having failed, he's just really, really ticked off at being a huge failure. He's mad. He's in Colorado, and he's breaking mountains, and then he breaks a satellite, and then the moon... Then a bunch of planets, but it's okay because he's visiting Owen Reese, and Owen Reese kind of puts everything back together. Like, uh, let's let's talk about it, Beyonder. Uh, hey, don't worry about it, Marsha. I've been through some therapy. Um, I know how this works. Have a seat, Beyonder. Tell me about when you were a kid. And they do some therapy inside the Beyond realm, and Beyonder shows Owen Reese what happened originally when he when the pinhole was opened in the beyond realm that he was able to see into the rest of the multiverse i guess and at the it turns out that owen reese's becoming the molecule man the accident that made him the molecule man is also what caused the pinhole into the the beyond which started this whole secret wars thing it's crazy which is you know that's a good that's that's it's a good retcon. Yeah, it's a good full circle. And it's uh, it's it's. I think it's like very, um, I don't know, representative of the good retcons that will happen throughout Marvel history. Yeah, it's a it's a plausible retcon. Like, yeah. this happened, but what you didn't see uh, also happened was this, uh, and then eventually it, it the retcons just become a little too too frequent, and you'll be like, oh come on, really? <laughs> <laughs> the X Men are fighting the Danger Room. Come on. Nope, spoilers. Anyways, yeah, so we get then, uh, well, so the Beyonder's like, what, you think you created me? You didn't create me. I am everything. And, and Owen Reese is like, oh, I mean, uh, no, no, I didn't create. Let's talk about some stuff. Like, you came to Earth, and and then what happens? So the Beyonder relives kind of the first eight issues, the whole trying to be a hero, trying to get it with get in with Dazzler, trying to find purpose with Doctor Strange. Almost getting destroyed by the puma, but Spider-Man came in and uh, distracted the puma in such a way that the Beyonder was able to take his power away or something like that. And, uh, you know, the Beyonder, he's he's witnessing this relationship between Marsha and Owen, and he's just disgusted by it. And he's like, that's it. 
you guys don't understand like the the inconsequence of your mortality and how futile it is and even you guys are fake and I'm going to destroy the world in 24 hours or everything yeah, I'm going to destroy everything to destroy hours. the world now but Owen says well just give us 24 hours give us some time and he says okay 20 you got 24 hours and then he's going to destroy the multiverse he wants to go back to the way it was in which there was nothing but him right and so solid plan yeah, yeah. So he, he goes and he kind of lives it up a little bit. He steals a car. He steals a woman. He destroys a building. He puts it all back together. Makes the woman turn old, young again. And he's like, get away from me. Trouble's going to happen. He gets randomly attacked by the X-Men. I think he's in San Francisco, too, which kind of messes with where everybody... Well, I guess not. I guess the X-Men from issue 202, if these events happen after 202, the X-Men, I guess, would still be in San Francisco. Yeah, these events do happen between 202 and 203, both of which do take place in San Francisco. Yeah. So the Beyonder's like, come on, you guys, knock it off. So the Beyonder essentially uses the X-Men's powers and to reflect back at the X-Men. He does some, some crazy judo moves on Magneto, which is kind of funny. He disables Rogue and Wolverine as gently as possible using Magneto's power. I'm not really sure what power it is that he's using, but okay. Force beams. Even Magneto even Magneto through the floor. Magneto even says, "Heads up, he's deflecting my power beam back to you." <laughs> so, Magneto doesn't do power beams. <laughs> Rachel steps up to the plate and she's like, "You'll murder no one. I have the power of the Phoenix." And in a kind of cool panel, she she attacks with all the force of the Phoenix. And the phoenix beak is the beyonder, and then she she does, like, another giant explosion, just like she did in X-Men 202, which does no harm to the beyonder at all. And she's surprised, just like she was in X-Men 202. It's like, it's like Jim Shooter and, and Chris Claremont didn't really talk. I think Jim Shooter saw X-Men 202, and he's like, that's cool. I'm going to do that in Secret Wars 2, number 8. <sighs> And uh, so he does, and he, he's like choking Rachel out, and he's like, "All right." Um, he says, "You're uh, you knew you never really had a chance. You're sophisticated us to realize that. So why this kamikaze run?" And and she says, "You forced this confrontation, confrontation coming here, attacking the city. You knew this place. This city was under our protection." I don't know what she's talking about, but okay. <laughs> Neither do I. Did the mayor of San Francisco say like, "Hey"? Will you protect my city? Not only that, but the Beyonder didn't attack the city. Well, he did. He was in his hotel and he like... Oh, yeah. I guess he destroyed stuff. Yeah. And the okay. X-Men were like on point because they're like, look, there he is. Get him. Yep. Okay. And then, yeah. So that's where the Beyonder says, good grief. I did, didn't I? I got to go think about this. Owen oh, Reese has been watching this on his molecule screen and he's like, oh my God, what if he comes here? Uh, I know. I'll use every bit of energy I have and I'll make a dome. Uh, over and under our city that will keep the people who are in in and the people that are out out and uh, that'll keep us safe and, and the Beyonder can destroy all of existence but we'll have our own bubble. It's going to be hard because we'll be in a dome and, and we'll have to you know basically create like a terrarium but, but we can do it, right? Yeah, we can do it. A airplane the shows up and says, is he serious? And destroys the dome. A airplane comically bounces off the dome. <laughs> yes, the Beyonder destroys it without a glance. All the shards of I don't know, molecule shield are falling on the people, but Owen Reese is able to dissipate it, and he's like, what do we do now? Hold me, lovey. The Beyonder heads out to the desert of the southwest, where he says, Hulk, come on out. I got to talk to you. Hulk shows up and pounds the crap out of the Beyonder, and then the Beyonder raises his hand up, and he's like, okay, okay, hold it. Enough. I've convinced that you've gotten more vicious. I want to know why. And he investigates and determines that Bruce Banner is no longer a part of the Hulk. Yeah, the Hulk, they're completely separated. It somehow reminds him of himself. No wonder you're more vicious now. You are nothing but raging power personified an infinity of power with no finite element inside. It's ugly. Worse, it reminds me of someone. All right, I want to be alone for a while. You can go, Hulk. So Hulk does. And back at Colorado, is it? Yes. Um, Marsha essentially convinces the Molecule Man that he's powerful. Yeah. there was. I think we missed a thought bubble earlier, and I want to talk about this when we get to it. But uh, she says something like, I would do anything to protect you, no matter what. Happened. Oh, okay. Well, 
just want to make sure we didn't miss it. But uh, yeah, she's building him up because he's scared. He's crying, even though he's got like the power of the multiverse at his fingertips. Um, but she's like, he's jealous of what you have, you know, with me. <laughs> Which is, you know, probably true. Uh, Deanna goes to talk to Spider-Man, who apparently's apartment recently burned down. Yep. Spider-Man tells a story about a... A guy who jumped off a building as he was swinging by, Spider-Man reached out his hand and the guy reached back. And he's like, it really made me think that even a guy who wanted to end it all ended up reaching back just at that moment when everything was going to end, which is what he wanted, which is what I feel every day as a hero or something like that. So again, I hear this, this all human endeavor, all human existence is lent meaning by the finiteness of life. Ugh, I hate you guys. Uh, did I make you angry? Uh, I'm sorry for whatever I did. Beyonder's like, look, I said I liked you when I came in, but now you irritate me. All of you insects do. I'm leaving. As it stands, you may have talked me out of obliterating all existence. We'll see. He steps outside and now the new mutants attack for a reason that the Beyonder's like, oh, so the X-Men must have called you and said that you should delay me until they get here. Well, whatever. Get out of my way. (laughs) Brother... Yep. What should we do? Um, wave bye-bye, says Cannonball. Yeah, he doesn't, he just knocks them all aside. He doesn't even bother using their powers against them the way he did with the X-Men. Owen Reese is, is packing, and Marsh is like, what are you doing? He's like, I got a plan. I'm going to make a bubble for just us. I'm going to pack everything using my molecule skills, the fridge, the TV, the microwave, the washer and dryer into a suitcase, and then we'll have our own little bubble, and he won't be able to find us. We can hang out in the beyond realm and just hide, and he'll never find us. And Marsh is like, snap out of it. You're strong. You got to make a stand. He's afraid of you. Show some guts. Fight him. And so sh- show some guts for a change. You want me to fight him? Yes, do what you have to, Oe. And if worse happens, I'll do what I have to, no matter how much it hurts you. What does that mean? Yeah, I never knew until much later in life. <laughs> anyway, so... That's, that sounds like a story. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, the Beyonder's sitting on top of a mountain in a recliner, and he's like, Bah, Peter Parker would probably find this view spectacular. <laughs> Peter Parker, the sp- spectacular spider he thinks about it. he's like maybe i should apologize to Owie. try this mortality business because earlier we skipped over this owen was like yeah maybe you should just get rid of all your power and be a human then you'd know what it's like and Bionder's like what so you can just kill me i'm not gonna do that but now he's reconsidering like well maybe i should just give this mortality thing a try he shows up back at owen reese's apartment and he's all he says hello owen and immediately owen reese attacks him uh he says, wait a minute, jerk. I came to, and Owen Reese says, die, and he attacks him again with his molecule power. Shrek, scroom, die, you monster. I won't let you hurt us. I won't. I'll kill you. And Beyonder's like, I should thank you for showing your true colors right when I walked in. If you hadn't, I might have made a terrible mistake. And if I had, you would have shown me as much humanity as I'm about to show you. So he's about to kill Owen Reese when Marsha flies out and he's like, no, kill him if you want, but not me. Don't. I don't want to die. I'll do anything for you. I beg you. Owen's like, what? I'm yours. Do it with me as you please. I can make you happy. I, I never really loved him. He's just a worm. He's nothing compared to you. Please take me. I'm yours. Let me live. Oh. Beyonder kicks her aside and she runs out of the room. And Owen Will uh, Reese, I keep wanting to say Owen Wilson. <laughs> Owen Reese cracks and he rolls up into a ball in the fetal position on the floor. And the Beyonder says, well, fine. If you're just going to be like so worthless that you'll collapse as soon as your girlfriend leaves, then maybe I'll just stay as I am and I'll let you, I, I won't destroy the world. I, I have to tell you that this turn of events has cheered me up considerably enough so that I think I'll take one more look around before I erase the multiverse. Yes. And uh, Marsha, she's outside and she's like, oh, when I ran out or he Beyonder says, when I run out of things that interest me in a few days, Max, then I'll be you'll be the first to know and I'll I'll destroy. But then for now, just sit there and whimper. Marsha takes off. She's like, oh, hurting you is the worst thing ever. I never wanted to do that, but I had to or else he would have killed you. Now he isn't jealous anymore and you're not a threat to him. Maybe now he'll leave you alone. Let somebody else fight him. The Avengers are fantastic for but oh, he. If we can't stop him, then who can? So when I was a lot younger, I had this issue, and I never really understood that Marsha had a plan all along. I thought she just, like, cracked at the first sense uh, sight of <laughs> d- danger. 
and I thought she was a very shallow character. But then many years later, I read it and I was like, oh, okay. Marsha knew what she was doing. She's like, all right, we're going to let Owen do this. And if it doesn't work, then I'm going to step in and break Owen, which will break the Beyonder. Or at least convince the Beyonder that, look, even a human who seems to have everything together can be broken in a moment's notice. Jim Shooter should have talked to you as a kid. Why? You could have been his test reader. Oh, I don't understand you this, You would have Jim. been like, I don't get it. Why is she so shallow? And he'd be like, hmm, maybe I need to write this better. <laughs> I need to flesh this out a little bit more. And so the Beyonder does, uh, we get an epilogue which takes uh, place after New Mutants 37, The Amazing Spider-Man number 274. So apparently he's probably learned some lessons or he's done some stuff. Um, he- the Avengers are about to face him and fight him. He's still... He'll still he'll still thinking about things, and then he uh, creates a world or a, a hurricane and blows the Avengers off the mountain, and becomes giant and grabs Captain America, and he's going to squeeze him. So, Captain, only you were able to avoid my energy tornado, but you think you are a really special cream of the crop. Maybe I'll take you along with me. You alone among men may provide me with some final insight on the soon-to-be extinct ex- species. So, yeah, that's the end of this issue. And it, it just feels like, well, this has been fun, but I really need to wrap this up. Yes. Next issue is the last issue of Secret Wars 2. So this is definitely the uh, penultimate issue. Is that what Jim Shooter is like, why did I take so long to get to this point? You know, I only needed like four issues to tell this story, it turns out. I think you needed more. <laughs> you think so? Well, because like... I thought there was a lot of filler, to be honest. No, no, I agree with you. A better a better storyteller would have concisely put all those moments together in a way that made sense. But it feels like because he needed a few more issues because, he, like you said, the Beyonder just completely turns the page. You know what uh, hasn't been tapped into as far as comics go that, that could probably sell some issues is a uh, uh, comic book writer, like modern day comic book writer, rock stars rewriting classic stories. So, for example, make Brian Michael Bendis rewrite Secret Wars two. I feel like that's what the whole Ultimate Universe was. Oh, then then it didn't work. Well, it did. It it did. It sold quite well. Did it initially? I never read any of them. But that's why you had your Brian Michael Bendis writing Spider Man, your Mark Miller writing the X Men. Yeah. So one final issue for us to to take a look at, uh, and this is uh, New Mutants number 37, which, um, I don't know. As we mentioned, takes place in between the last page of Secret Wars number eight and the next to last page of Secret Wars two number eight. And I honestly don't know what detail of coverage to get this. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> let's it's, see. Let me, let me just, let me, I, I don't, I won't give anything away, but it's like, it's not a bad issue, like cover to cover, but like, it really feels like. Uh, it, it could have been just done in like four pages. Um, well, I, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I like the beginning part. The beginning part is all about like the new mutants are just chilling out in Westchester. The X-Men are up in San Francisco along with Magneto. So they got the place to themselves. They're watching some old Cowboys and Indians movies and, and, uh, Ileana and Cannonball, you know, they're, they're being Cowboys and Indians. And, and meanwhile, uh, sh- what's her face uh the danny moonstar yeah danny moonstar she's like oh you guys and even i think what is it rain she's or uh shan one of the two they're like um you guys should stop being so insensitive we literally have an indian in this room (laughs) yeah and there's a she's on the phone with her mom and she says yeah they're watching some dumb cowboy of course we're the bad guys yeah so that's a fun human moment uh she almost spills the beans on her um, winged horse and this whole Valkyrie thing, which gets her thinking about like, what the hell does all this mean? I don't understand it. Can't tell my mom. And then she sees various visions above all of the new mutants. And they are all the representations of death that those characters uh, see death as. So the traditional one that we know is what Doug Ramsey sees as the, the Grim Reaper. The, clo- the cloaked Grim Reaper. Warlock sees Magus. I don't know. Sam sees a preacher anyways yeah so uh danny she she catches a glimpse of herself in the mirror and she sees herself as the valkyrie and then she sees herself as hella she's like oh this is the thing i fear most and hella well no no i think that's her vision of death well right but she says uh uh a spirit form manifested by my own mutant power of what i fear most and hella's like yeah child and nay so i don't know 
So yes and no. Yes and no. So it feels like there's more more to that coming in the pages of the New Mutants um, or not. I don't know. The 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 image of Hela reaches out for her and she runs away. This is madness, a lie. I won't believe it. And she goes and finds bright wind and hops on her the horse's back and they fly up into the clouds. And she mentions that in Asgard she saw the same image above Wolverine and he would have died if Storm hadn't fought Hela off and... That means that the the new mutants are probably going to die, and she's really upset about that. And in in the clouds, she sees her grandfather and herself hanging out by a fire. Some, I guess, this is a past memory. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sam shows up and says, "Hey, you scared us all. What the heck happened back there?" And she said, "I just had a I had a real a real fright." And she's, we're, "We're sorry about being jerks about the movie. It was really insensitive, and we're all dumb." And she says, "You know." You're coming after me was all I need to know that you're you you're you're a good friend and they start to head back and we get a cutaway scene with Roberto where there's he's thinking about leaving the new mutants and there's an accident and he goes to try and help out and there's one of those moments where everybody's like oh it's a mutant and he's like well I got to help and and She-Hulk shows up and she actually does all the saving but Roberto feels like a moron cuz he was like I didn't do anything I almost lost control of everything and and the, what is it, a crane? Uh, the, the crane almost collapsed and killed this woman and the cop. And the cop says, well, you actually did quite a bit, so don't be a whiner. Yeah, you, you were able to hold it there for the few split seconds that made all of the difference. If you wouldn't have been able to do that, that thing would have crushed us, and She-Hulk would not have made a difference. And he's like, well, thanks. I don't care what you say about what the world says about mutants. Your ace is my book. Aces. So he hops back in the cab, and uh, the cab driver's like, where do you want to go? And he's like, well, should I go to my father at the Hellfire Club? Should I go to the New Mutants at Westchester? Where's my mom? She's in Brazil. Take me there. Take me to Kennedy Airport. Not Brazil, because we're in a car. Well, right. (laughs) So Cannonball and Danny, they head back to campus and... uh, Meet up with the rest of the New Mutants when Warlock screams. And basically, the Beyonder shows up and kills them all. That's a great way to summarize it. I mean, like, we could go through all of it, but there's really no need. It's it's very interesting and it's very visual uh, and dark and graphic how all of the New Mutants are destroyed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's essentially the gist of it is, like, they fight back, but ultimately there's not a whole lot they can do. And one by one, they are slowly killed. Um, and then after after the Beyonder has has finished them off, well, they think they kill him first. Right. Well, like, like half the new I, I was just I was just taking your measure. Half the new mutants are dead. And uh Warlock, Magma, and Cannonball use all of their remaining power to what they think uh is well, I guess half the new mutants aren't dead at this point. Well Karma's dead. Karma's dead, okay. Anyways, they think that they've destroyed him and, and everything like the mansion is destroyed and it's like it's like dark and dusk and, and barren, like all the trees are stripped bare and it's just a depressing palette of colors that are used. And that's when the Beyonder's like, yeah, just just taking your measure. I'm okay. Now it's my turn. And systematically, one by one, viciously, he kills all the new mutants. And it's it's a it's a it's a drastic change from new or uh, 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 Secret Wars two number eight that we just read, where he kind of comically like waves away new mutants and uses the X Men's power against him, and you know. This is savage. Yeah, some of these deaths are pretty horrific. Uh, he buries Sam and Amara alive in the ground. He saps um, all of Warlock's powers so much so that Doug runs up and says, Take my energy! And Warlock takes so much energy that uh, he turns into just a skeleton. Well, I don't know if that's... I'm not... Because the Beyonder is behind them doing something, so I'm not oh, sure if... I think you're right. Beyonder- I think rips his skin off or something i think right before doug gets to warlock to give him that energy uh the beyonder rips all the energy off of doug which just causes him to be a dusty skeleton right and so warlock has nothing to to absorb and also dies rain cowers in fear uh the beyonder disintegrates danny moonstar i don't know how rain dies uh she is also disintegrated yep yep there she is 
And that's it. And uh, not only that, but he, and the, the, the panels kind of allude to this, he wipes out their existence. Like the new mutants have now never existed. Uh, they say that in Colorado, let's see, uh, in, in Manhattan, Roberto da Costa forgets his best friends. In Salem Center, Virgin Forest lines the shore of Breakstone Lake of Professor Xavier's school of his youngest pupils. Nothing remains, not even memories. So he fixes everything. Yeah, but um, the new mutants are gone, and the mansion is gone, and now it's just like this little serene uh, kind of stream with trees and, and stuff. So does he, he must bring back the mansion, though. I don't know. He, yeah, because when the X-Men come back, the mansion is still there. I guess you're right. I think. That's not well described in this issue, but it, it does actually fill in some blanks for... Uh, for your average X-Men reader who didn't read New Mutants, who opens the first page of X-Men 203 and is like, wait, what? <laughs> and we'll yeah. talk about that when we get to X-Men 203. But for those of you that are just listening to the sequentially, it won't be a mystery to you because we've just filled in the blanks. Yeah, I hope you didn't skip this episode. <laughs> yeah, because if you did, you wouldn't know. And if you did, you wouldn't have heard me say that anyway, so I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah. So there you go. Um... Yeah. What are we doing next week, Adam? Uh, let's leave it a surprise. Oh, geez. Okay. I wasn't, <laughs> wasn't expecting that to be an answer. All right. Uh, to next week's... We're going to do X-Men number 349. Oh, that's a that's a good plan. And then we'll we'll step back. Just kind of... Yeah, that's what we should do from here on out. Like, this, this is a good place for us to kind of stop and do a shotgun approach where um, we, we just... We, Open up the random number generator, and whatever number pops up, we just do that issue. Yeah. And yeah. and and we talk about it with the information that we have right now. So if it's X-Men 349, like, like if we don't know any of the characters, we just talk about it. But if there's mm-hmm. any references to the old stuff, we can say, we remember that. And then if they talk about, like, you know, stuff that, that happens but we don't know about, we'd be like, I that, don't know what that is. I like it. If we ever do a Patreon, that should be one of the things that <laughs> – People can purchase <laughs> the out of context issue, the completely random out of context issue. That would be amazing. We should, we, we'll have to do that at some point. Uh, in any event, um, if you would like to get a hold of us, you can do so at uh, www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast. Follow us at danger room go. You can also email us, DangerRoom at RedCatProductions.com. Go out to iTunes, go into the podcast section, type up Danger Room, where you're the first podcast of that name that will show up. You can also give us a phone call at 501-GET-X-MEN, 501-438-9636. We enjoy hearing from you. Just a reminder that our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. And that's all I got, Adam. Do you have anything else? I got nothing. Well then, until next week's mystery contents, I'm Jeremy. I'm Adam. The Danger Room is closed. Closed.